What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Copan. It's November 28, 2022, and this is Lift and Learn episode 105. In this episode, I'll talk about the undervalued benefit of resistance training. We already know that resistance training uh, gives you all the big muscles, it burns body fat, but what else can it do? I'll tell you that during that part of the episode, and in the next topic, I'll talk about why body weight training can be so important. This style of training can be useful for everybody, so you should give that a listen so that you can work out literally anytime and anywhere you want to. Before that though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness related topics, and it might not. If you wanna follow me, your host on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram at Lift and Learn Podcast, on Twitter at Lift and Learn Pod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. The first thing you need to do if you're about to start resistance training or exercising in general is an assessment, either for your clients, if you're a personal trainer, or for yourself, if you're going to start this journey by yourself. This is a pretty common error. I even see personal trainers do this, just jumping right into working out without even checking to see if the person has any glaring weaknesses or other possible health issues that could interfere with exercise and certain movements. Obviously, that's not a good sign or it's not a good place to start a new exercise regime. The assessments are there. They're for you to know what to do going forward. It helps you structure your workout programming toward this individual or to yourself. Of course, it's good to know if a person can even get started with exercise in the first place. This way, doing the assessments, you can identify if a client has any prior health problems or current ones. That could mean the person can't do certain exercises or has to fix those problems first. They'll need doctor clearance before jumping into exercise. Contraindications are something to look out for, so past injuries, chronic disease, medications, and so on. There's a lot of different topics that the assessment should go over, so let's go over some important areas. They could include what they're eating, their current habits in terms of diet, exercise, or what they do for work, if they're physically active or have a desk job, that's super important to know because you have to work around that, or work to combat possible issues that pop up during sedentary jobs, possibly that uh, forward rounding of the shoulders and head, and even physically active jobs could cause overuse problems too, maybe shoulder or knee or lower back issues there. Lifestyle habits that could also include sleep duration and quality, stress levels, their hobbies, the basics really. It's really just a way to get to know this person. The assessment also includes figuring out current physical activity levels, so that could include their heart rate, At rest and during some exercise, you can and should also track blood pressure in there also. Obviously, if they have issues here, doing exercise techniques like HIIT could pose a problem. Side note, this is why online training especially may not be viable for some people because some coaches are going to skip this part of the process, which could be dangerous for the individual. I've seen it happen to a trainer friend of mine. 
I always talk about specific measurements when it comes to showing your improvement. Those are super valuable. So that might mean tracking BMI, which isn't a great indicator if you're someone who has a lot of muscle on them, but for a new client, it could be a good indicator of health. An important one is that waist circumference, which could show us adipose tissue around the midsection. That's fat around the important organs around the midsection. You can also use uh, caliper measurements for body fat percentage, depending on the client. These I find to be more accurate or more reliable than those scales with the built-in but probably inaccurate body fat readers. Those are easily manipulated by water levels, so if you don't do those readings in the exact same state as last time, it could be off by several body fat percentages. So yeah, I like calipers better if you can do them to yourself or if you have a client willing to do that. Now in terms of tracking conditioning levels, your VO2 max could be estimated. There's tests for that. That's to see a baseline level for yourself or your client. There's also performance tests you could get into. You could try to do some one rep max tests, but I don't think testing out a one rep max is wise for most people. So I'll do calculated one rep max tests instead. So usually I'll push a client to a three or a five rep max if I feel it's adequate for this specific person. That's something that depends on the fitness level of the individual there. So as you can see, assessments are actually quite the process. It doesn't take too long. You may have to spend a session or two doing that if you don't want to bore the client with all of this stuff. You could split it up if you want. Oh yeah, you can't forget the important part of assessments and that's posture and movement as well. Static posture. So when you're just standing tall and strong with all of those check marks like core tight, feet straight, chin parallel to the floor, there's also a dynamic posture, which could show you certain muscle imbalances. I talked about past injuries. They could pop up here. What sometimes happens is you go through the physical history, past injuries, the client says they don't have any. Doing these or other assessments where you're actually moving around, all of a sudden the client's going to remember certain things that may have happened more than a few years ago. So past injuries will pop up or they're like, oh yeah, I have this knee pain, but it's been there for years, that sort of thing. That could show up here, so helping them through that is great. I mentioned earlier about the possible desk jobs, where typically you'll notice their forward head posture that's called upper cross syndrome. And it's pretty common in today's world with how the jobs just require you to just sit at a desk instead of what we're supposed to be doing as humans, which is to move around and spend most of our time actually on our feet closer to that static posture, right? So doing the assessments, that'll help you focus your training in a certain direction, like what are you gonna do to correct that over time? I mean, that should be in there. It'll be just as important as any other exercise. If you do some or all of these, this could help the client feel much more comfortable to work with you going forward. You tell them a rough draft of a plan going forward, and that could show the client that you're not all about hitting the weights as hard as possible or making you sweat as much as you can, instead improving their life where they actually need it. If you can do that with some sort of confidence, if you tailor a program specifically based on the individual, as you do more of these, you'll feel more and more confident over time, and this could really help with building a relationship professionally with a client. And don't forget to redo these assessments every few months to show the client their progress over time, which should be happening if you as a trainer are doing the right things. If you're looking to do it for yourself, I mean, same rules apply. If you want to get better, track your baseline and do these a few months to see if you got better. Maybe places have gotten worse over time. That could be somewhere to focus. 
I try to remember to do these to myself at least once every three months or so. I'm pretty consistent, so I don't do these little check-ins with myself as much as I do with my clients. But yeah, figure out your baseline and get better every day. That's it, man. That's my message there. So enough about that. That may have been one of my longest intro talks there, but I think that's super valuable information that some trainers forget to do. Or if you're just out there listening to this, whether you exercise or not, you should also be performing these on yourself because it can be an eye-opener. I know it was American Thanksgiving this past week, but for us in Canada, it was just a Thursday full of football that I barely watched. I caught a bit of the Bills game because I actually went to eat at this wood oven pizza place near me. Oh my god, it was so good. I had that for like an early dinner around 3pm and that left me full for the rest of the day pretty much. I'll definitely be going back there. It was in the Heartland area if you live near or in Mississauga. I had this one with Italian sausage, some prosciutto, it was amazing. I'm making myself just hungry just thinking about this. The next day, well, that's today for me as of the recording. There's some hockey on this afternoon, which is great. Hockey on a Friday afternoon, that should be great to see. Basketball starts a bit earlier than usual too, but I don't think there's any afternoon games today. There's also soccer going on, or what they call football overseas. It's the World Cup, and Canada is actually in it for the first time since 1986. They have yet to score a goal at the World Cup, so there's that. I think their next game is on Sunday against Croatia, which will have already happened by the time this gets uploaded, but hopefully Canada can come through and score a goal, which is something I've never seen in my lifetime. Not that I'll care that much anyway, I mean, if it does happen, but hopefully they can score a goal, put up a decent fight against Croatia. In Canada's first game, they had a chance to score a goal, but they had a penalty shot and missed, so... That was a bit embarrassing. All right, what else has been going on in my life? Uh, honestly, not that much. I finished another book. I think that was either my 19th or 20th book of the year. That was Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. I love that one. A lot of valuable life tools and ideas in there to improve your life. A little backstory, I started reading books just at the start of this year and it stuck around. I think it was actually because I set the standards so low. This was one of my New Year's resolutions to read more. At the end of 21, so, oh, sorry, at the end of 2021, so that's last year, I had read maybe two or three books in my life. And this year I've read around 20 books, and it's been life changing, honestly. And this could really apply to any goal you're trying to get to. I gave myself baby steps. My goal was just to read five pages of books a day, and I was fine with that because even just reading five pages of anything a day, that's going to be a lot of pages by the end of the year. My goal for the year was to just read five pages of books a day because I figured that would be around five to eight books a year or something if I had to guess. That's 1,800 pages in total for the year if I only just stuck to my goal, something like that. Which, I mean, that's insane to think about for me, but that was my baby step goal, five pages a day. So along the way, first three months of the year, I was just obsessed. I would start reading my five pages a day, then because I was already doing that, or I was really interested in what I was reading, every day for the first three months, I went above and beyond. I think I read something like eight to ten books the first three months, which was just an insane start. 
and I quickly realized what a positive effect that made on my life since I'm into those self-help books, I guess you could call it, like Atomic Habits. But also, I read a bunch of fitness books from sources I trust, like Mike Matthews, Greg Knuckles. I read some bodybuilder books too, one about Mike Menser, there was another Gaspari book. Uh, one I didn't really like was this book by Gary Tobbs. It seemed like cherry-picked or super-biased research stats. But I didn't mind it because it's always good to see the other side of a certain thought when it comes to diet. Well, not necessarily the other side, but a different view on eating in general. But yeah, fitness books and self-help books, that's my thing right now. During the middle of the year, that's when I started to uh, fizzle out. I missed some days in a row. One time I went a week or two without reading anything, but then I just remembered what I told myself. Baby steps, five pages. So, got back to the habit. At this point, I was just getting the five pages in. I was busier than usual in the summertime. And now for the past two months or so, I've been back to reading a bit more than usual. But yeah, this is definitely something I'll be doing for the next year also. And for as long as I can, really. I mean, it's just five pages a day. It's a really good idea to carry this sort of thinking into other habits you might be looking to get into. Fitness is no different just five minutes a day to start again that's 1800 minutes of exercising for the year is that more or less what you did last year so instead of going into this holiday season or the new year planning on working out every day for the whole year try to think of a baby step into fitness five to ten uh yeah five to ten or 15 minutes a day could help ease it into your daily life so reading that's been a success this year for me Going into the holiday season, I started reading Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday earlier this week. I started that. I've read the intro, just getting started with that one, but I might try to find more of a fitness book this weekend to get into. We'll see. I also have this book, Breath. I have a hard copy of that. I usually read on my Kindle, but this one I have the hard copy. I'm still going through it. That's by James Nestor. I think I've talked about this one before. I'm trying the five-page strategy with that one, and I'm on chapter six right now, so a little bit more than halfway done. I might also dive into the Book of Joy, which was a joint kind of collab effort between the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. That should be an easy, just a relaxing read. Besides that, training is going well. Also, towards the end of the year here, my knee has finally started to feel better. I mean, there's still some slight pain with some movements, but I'm able to do lunges and squats now, so I'm going to be working on that every other day. Legs are finally back in the mix, so I'm all systems go right now, easing into the full-blown leg day routines, but it's time to grow in 2023, man. I gotta grow these legs and the calves this year. Question one, what's an undervalued benefit of resistance training and exercise? Most of us know the benefits of exercise. If you're doing it properly, you're losing body fat, gaining muscle, increasing your lean body mass. Those are all great benefits, but one of the aspects that I don't think is highlighted enough is just how it makes you feel. I'm talking mentally. It has to be one of the most undervalued benefits when it comes to exercise. You feel better mentally, you gain clarity, and you're doing an activity where you're reducing stress in your life. 
You may not realize it at first because usually our goals only have to do with how we look physically, but over time, this is something that people realize more and more. I have clients come to me way later after we've been working out and exercising for years and they've seen the positive benefits of looking better, but they always tell me that mentally this is the best they've ever been. It's so undervalued or underrated. I'm always on here preaching that resistance training will be the best in terms of building strength, losing body fat, gaining muscle, and lean body mass. That's all well and good, but eventually you'll get to a point where it's extremely difficult to make any progress, or at least progress that's easily documented on a piece of paper or something you can easily pinpoint just by looking in the mirror. Eventually you won't be able to get stronger or get faster, whatever it may be. Father time always wins. But in terms of the mental health benefits that resistance training can give you, that'll get you much farther in life, and you'll still feel those benefits even when you're older. Exercise keeps your brain busy, your brain has to actually calculate exactly how to perform every movement that you want to do. If you lie around all the time, your brain gets bored and doesn't get its own exercise also. When you're exercising, your brain is also. There's millions of commands that go on inside of your body if you're performing some kind of resistance training and challenging your body in some way. Helps with uh, neural growth in the, in the brain. In terms of the mental health effects of exercising in some way, shape, or form, it'll boost your well-being. You'll just feel so much better throughout the day. They've shown studies where regular exercise is actually just as effective at reversing depression for those with up to mild symptoms. So exercise is just as effective as the medicine that you'd get prescribed sometimes, and that's just one of the benefits of exercise. Let's face it, a good way to distract yourself from things that are going on in your life, exercising in some way helps with that. I've had many clients want to get away from their kids for a bit. I haven't personally experienced that yet, but I can believe it from some of the stories I've heard over the years. For me, though, I do the same. I fall into that category. Sometimes I'm procrastinating work. I'll go work out to distract myself. And you know what? Usually stepping away from uh, for a second for yourself, that'll help you afterwards perform at a higher ability. And it's like a mental reset there. These are proven effects also, like the increase in mood, lowering your stress levels, less anxiety, and these are so important today. They're key in the modern world we live in now. And it's not just resistance training. Any form of exercise can benefit you and the brain in this way, even something low intense like uh, low intensity, sorry, like just walking can increase your mental health to a certain degree. So if you feel like starting out, just go ahead and start. That might mean just 5 to 15 minutes of working out on your own. Do that and reflect on how you feel. This might not be an eye-opener the very first time you exercise, but if you do it consistently for long enough, you'll realize those mental health benefits that you'll get. Question 2. Why body weight training can be so important? So when we're exercising in the gym, you'll usually see people gravitate towards doing dumbbell or barbell work. You'll see people barbell squatting or deadlifting or bench pressing. But I always tell people that you don't even really need equipment to get into shape and to improve your health, especially when you're just starting out. I think this can be so important for everyone. 
The barrier of entry is actually so low when it comes to getting in shape or improving your health. It's not about sweating your ass off, it's just about doing more slowly over time. If you currently do nothing, training for 5 to 15 minutes a day a few times per week is going to only bring positive benefits to you. I just mentioned this style of training. People always expect some wild transformation from exercise, like they're going to lose 60 pounds in a few weeks. This is why you shouldn't be getting your fitness advice from magazines and social media. Doing just a little bit better than last week is what you should be striving for. It's about the longevity of you doing your exercise consistently. Training with your body weight makes that aspect so much easier. There's no excuses. You don't need to go to the gym to work out. You can use your own body weight to do a lot of movements. Squats, push-ups, pull-ups. You can get good at those and those will build up your legs. The legs for the squat movement. You can also do lunges too, which I think can be more difficult if you're doing walking lunges. Even just body weight, that can be taxing for most people out there. Push-ups can replace the bench press. You're working the chest, shoulders, and triceps there. Pull-ups are difficult for pretty much everyone actually. Working towards getting your first pull-up and actually getting there can be such a huge accomplishment. Another movement that could be useful for most people are planks. If you do them properly with your core tucked in a bit and engaged, that could be a great one for isometric strength. You can make that harder by having less limbs connected to the ground, maybe raising an arm or a leg. You can do side planks, which, which uh, can be pretty difficult and challenge the core pretty effectively. These are movements and exercises that apply itself pretty well to real life because you're taking full control of your body. Bodyweight exercises can be pretty difficult, even harder than barbell equivalent movements. Like, I can do 135 pounds in a strict overhead press pretty easily for a few reps, but doing handstands, even supported against the wall, and then try to do a push-up in that position, completely vertical, I can't even do that. So you can definitely challenge your body in so many ways. Obviously, be smart with movements like this. Clearly, some of the bodyweight exercises can be advanced, but it just goes to show you how difficult bodyweight movements can be, and you actually can get a workout that way as long as you know what you're doing. Bodyweight exercises can be great for everybody, an old person recovering, like in a rehab process, if you're in the military or navy, maybe if you're a fireman or policeman also, these movements apply to real life, the field, you know? Everyone can benefit from incorporating some bodyweight exercises throughout the week. There's nothing more satisfying than being able to do a push-up or especially a pull-up on your own. You're able to lift up your body weight. It really shows that you are in control of how your body moves and chances are you have some muscle on your body. It's about gaining control of your whole body. That's the real strength right there. For my older clients, if we can even do a single bodyweight squat, that's a huge accomplishment. And for older clients, something like this becomes super important. You're more mobile more comfortable moving your own body, which prevents injuries from falling, which is serious as you get older. So continuing to stay active, even if you have no equipment, uh, even if you have no equipment, that's possible. It's just the fact of getting up and going to do, going to go and do it basically. Like any other form of exercise, you'll build cardiovascular endurance, increasing your heart health. You'll gain some muscle since you're engaging your muscles, you'll get stronger. 
other movements you can also toss in there too are those cardio like movements with body weight too like stuff you'll see in hit routines so mountain climbers jumping jacks maybe jumping lunges and squats i mean that should be done only if your fitness level is good enough to do so yoga could be in that category of body weight movements trust me when i say that some of those uh, poses and positions are just difficult to get into and they're difficult to stay in for an extended period of time so if you don't do body weight exercises or you think it's a waste of time stop that listen it's free it's super convenient and if you're in danger of not moving enough challenge yourself this way at your own home just clear out some space in the living room, watch your Netflix on TV while doing some bodyweight exercises at home. At least that way you're enjoying something you're watching. It can distract you a bit in a good way here. And also no one's around to judge you if that's one part of the gym that might be keeping you away. And there's less chance of injury as opposed to using weight you might not be familiar with or exercises or machines you don't really know how to use. So programmed properly, Bodyweight exercises are a good place to start if you're just looking to get into exercise the easiest way possible. And that concludes episode 105 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast.